and welcome to Serrated Edge. Today my sister is going to be reading Fortunately the Milk by Neil Gaiman. Enjoy. Uh-oh, I said, prepare to be healed it, you scurvy dogs, shouted the pirates. Let us now sacrifice them both to Great Splog, shouted the man with shiny black hair. They stole my eye twice, grumbled Mighty Splog. Vivant, those willings and warmits violently bound up, proclaimed the tall lady one pirate with long fingernails. The piranhas said nothing, but they thrust around and they put ominous. Doomed, said Professor Stagg. We cannot escape. They have frozen us in time and depowered us. Even my mighty time machine can do no more than open a small window in time and space, smaller than either of us could get through. But can you do it? I asked. Open a little window in our time. In time to our last location of course but what good would that do quickly i said do it professor said push the button on the box with the tip of his nose there was a zoom and a plip and a window opened in space and time large enough for an arm to get to i reached into it i'll explain later he said fate of the world that's sick i grabbed the milk from me 15 minutes earlier through the tiny space time you must like milk a lot, said the globby but craving for lactic liquids will not make us take pity on you or let go and spare your badly designed plan. It should, I said. What am I holding in my left hand? Or the milk, they said. And what am I holding in my right hand? They paused, then one alien, so green and small and blocky and crazy, that he might have had an enormous knot bubble blown by an elephant with a terrible head. Cold said, the same milk from 15 minutes earlier. Exactly, I said. I think about this one very carefully. What would happen if I touched these two things together? The globby aliens went a very pale green. The pirates, shiny ball camera, and the piranhas looked at them puzzled, seeking some kind of explanation, as did the vampires. If two things that are the same thing touch, proclaimed the volcano god, then the whole universe shall end. Thus, this, the great and unbarbed and utterable spot. How does a volcano know so much about transformal meta-science? asked one of the pale green aliens. Being geological form being a geological geological formation gives you a lot of time to think, said Spod. Also I subscribe to a number of learned journals. I coughed in what I hoped was an ominous sort of way. Well, I asked what he said, admitted the green globby aliens, the bit about the universe thing. 
So, I told them, unless you want to spend the rest of your lives in a universe that no longer exists, you had better turn things the way they were. And then go away. The aliens looked at each other. They grinned at each other. One of them pressed a the Glunderdorfer. The one pirates, pirates, piranhas, volcano god, and the worshippers of the volcano god were gone. What if, suggested one of the green globby aliens, hopefully, we only redecorated the southern hemisphere. Not a chance, I said, now release us or the milk touches itself. Then, and then go away. Leave this planet forever. The aliens looked at me, and then they looked at each other, and then they sighed with a noise like a hundred elephants' snot balloons all deflating at once. All right, they said. It was at that moment that a voice louder than anything I've ever heard, and I had heard a volcano erupt at very close range, said, Galactic police, do not move. My hands shook, but the milk did not touch the milk. The universe did not end. There were red and blue flashing lights, and then, stepping out of their space bikes, were about half a dozen uniformed stars, holding unmistakably, unmistakably large and extremely serious weapons. They pointed their weapons at the green globby aliens. You are at charge of breaking into people's planets and re- redecorating them, said a noble and employee looking Tyrannosaurus Rex. And then, with running away and doing it again somewhere else, over and over again, you have committed crimes against the inhabitants of 18 planets and crimes against good taste. What we did to wriggle, what we did to wriggle for was art, argued a globby alien. Art? There are people on wriggle for, said <coughs> on a Lancasaurus, who had to look up every night at a moon with three huge plaster ducks flying across it. Something very long, with a head on the end of it, came over to us. It was attached to a very large body on the other side of the room. Who are you? it asked Professor Stegg. And why is your gorilla holding a transformidolostic milk container? I'm not a gorilla, I said. I'm a human Father, the human is holding milk in order to make these evil redecorating snow bubbles go away and stop menacing this planet. And us, said Professor Stegg, the Diloptocus was in a police cap, opened his mouth and didn't say anything. The Tyrannosaurus, who had handcuffed all of the green globby people together with something that looked a lot more like pink stirring in a can thing than it looked like pink stirring in a can, 
then it looks like handcuffs, which is a good thing because they probably didn't have hands and they definitely didn't have wrists and stared at us, his eyes open wide. Great day in the morning, he exclaimed. A, a biped stegosaurus, a floaty ball person carrier, and and he stopped as if unable to go on. A parrotodon flapped over to us, then landed at Professor Stegg's feet. It looked at him and said hesitantly, "Would you be? Could you be the inventor of Professor Stegg's pointy zooming at into outer space machine? If one of Professor Stegg's really good and moves around the in time machine, would you be the?" Author of my travels into the extremely far future and what I found there, Professor Stegg, wisest of all dinosaur kind, Madam, is it truly you? It is," said the professor. "Madam," I thought, embarrassed. "This is my assistant." The pterodactyl extended a wingtip for me to shake, and without thinking, I moved the second note from my right hand to the. Where the first milk was, everybody gasped. Unfortunately, the milk had been in my right hand, which was the same that the milk that was already in my left hand. And the same milk, fifteen minutes apart, touched each other. I held my breath. There was a fizzing noise and a mewing, as if a hundred kittens were being aggravated. Agitated and agitated in an enormous basket. Professor Stegg closed her eyes. I can't look, she said. Three purple dwarfs with flower pots on their heads appeared from nowhere and began to do a little dance. Did the universe end? Said the Tyrannosaurus with his eyes tightly scrunched closed. Look, I said. We all watched the dwarfs. Dance. They weren't humans, and they weren't dinosaurs. They had purple skins, and the flower pots on their head had lots of flowers growing out of them. They did a complicated sort of dance with lots of leg kicking and shouts of "oi" and "olay" and "putering." And then, as strangely as they had come, they vanished. Ah," said Professor Segg. It was always a pop. Possibility that this might happen. Unfortunately, the universe has not ended. She pressed the button again with her tail. A small hole in space and time opened up. I was standing on the other side with a baffled expression on my face. Catch! I shouted and threw the milk through the hole. As the portal closed, I saw me catch the milk using my stomach. The green globby aliens have been rounded up and taken away. All the space dinosaurs. Gathered around. I can't believe it," said the Diplodocus. <laughs> Professor Stegg, just like in the comics, the dinosaur who taught us that in the far future small mammals will eat their breakfast cereal with milk on it. Inventor of the button. She's here in front of us with her gorilla. I'm not a gorilla. I'm a human father," said Professor Stegg, and the other. Dinosaurs gasped and said things like, "How wise she is!" and not a gorilla, but a human no, father. Not a 
said Professor Stegg, and all the other dinosaurs gasped and said things like, "How wise she is!" and "What a brain!" and and how can you tell the difference between a creature that that is a gorilla? Is it the shoes? Professor Stegg said. Professor Stegg said, "This human father has been in my companion on my strange journey into the future. Now, before I take my leave of him and come with you, O space dinosaurs, we should sing to him one of the great old dinosaur songs." They sang me a song in a six-part harmony called "How Do You Feel in the Morning When You Know." What you did last night, and then they sing me called, call, a song called "Don't Go Down to the Tar Pits, Dear," because I'm getting stuck on you. The space police dinosaurs sing me a song about being space police and saving people all over the universe, and driving very fast space bikes, and then they all, all sing a song called. I've got a lovely, a bunch of hairy, of hard, hairy, wet, white country, which was an ancient dinosaur song, which had apparently been written by Professor Stegg's aunt Button. There is nothing in the whole, whole world as the creation as. There's nothing in the whole world of creation as beautiful as dinosaurs singing in harmony. Now, said Professor Stegg, I shall go off in my floaty ball prison carrier with my newfound dinosaur space police friend, and I shall ex- explore the universe. Then I shall return to my own time and write a book about it. You actually, you write. You actually write several books," said the Diplodocus.、Mm-hmm. Professor Stegg's guide to everything in the whole, whole of future was my favorite. It's very inspirational. I say goodbye to all the dinosaurs. I thank Professor Stegg for saving my life. Not at all," she said. "We were both fortunate that you had the milk with you. It's not very tiring as." Of milk that saves the world. After all, it—that was me that saved the world. I said, "Not milk." The space dinosaurs had their pictures taken, holding the milk and smiling at the camera. "What are you going to do with the milk?" they asked me. "Are you going to put it in a museum?" "No, I am not." I told them, "I am going to give it to my children for their breakfast cereal." And possibly, I will pour some in my tea. Professor Stegg nipped back up through a bladder and climbed onto the granolia of her balloon. I saw the last of her, of any of them. The whole inside of the saucer was fading into light, so bright I had to close my eyes and look away. Then I was standing at the back door of our house, none the worse for wear. Fortunately, the dinosaurs had had given me back the milk after they had their photos taken with it, so I came in, and here I am.
That was what my dad said. I looked at my sister, and my sister looked at me. Then we both looked around the kitchen. The calendar on the wall was the whole. I looked at the calendar on the wall with the hot air balloons, and my dinosaur mom, and my dinosaur models, and my sister's ponies, and my sister's vampire books, and the picture of a volcano I had painted when I was little last year, and which was still up on the wall by the fridge. We looked at those things, and we looked at my dad. You know, we don't believe any of this, my sister. We don't. I told him not any of it, especially not how you saved the world from being remodeled or the pirates. Not any. I said. My father shrugged. Suit yourselves, but it was all true, and I can prove it. How? Yes. How? Well, said、so、my father, putting it down on the kitchen table. Here's the milk. Anyone back to reading his paper? Yet, I hope you liked it. This episode was written and produced. Well, not written, produced by Gavin Snyder. Always, as always, it was narrated by my sister Zoe Snyder. And this is, I think, the second book we have ever finished on the podcast. I hope you liked it. It was a really good book. Anyway, if you would like to support Series Edge, if you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Pod. Uh, well, please subscribe wherever you listen. Um, um, make a poster, send in an audio recording, so we can. Feature it on a future episode, or just simply tell a friend about us. Thanks, Gavin.